Hi everyone, this is Janice, your neighborhood nutritionist. I've spent the last couple of years helping busy office professionals upgrade their health through upgrading their nutrition. And one thing was very obvious. Nobody's got time to read up on all the scientific stuff to know fact from fiction. So each week, I will talk to you about a different topic or concept in nutrition in simple, everyday terms, so you are empowered to make the best nutritional decisions. Get ready to learn about some new stuff, gain new insights into old concepts, and super boost your health. Just before the episode plays, I just wanted to let you know that I've split the content into two episodes so you don't actually fall asleep listening to it. This is part one. Hey everyone, I am super, super excited today to have Lee Boogie, a science researcher, an educator, and a holistic nutritionist, to talk to us a little bit about sleep. So thank you, Lee, for coming on my podcast and welcome. Hi there. I'm really happy to be here, Janice. So before we get into this fascinating topic about sleep, I'd just like to invite you to maybe tell us a little bit about your journey here, because as I've uh, introduced you, you are a woman of many talents. (laughs) I think the thing for me is I love to learn. Um, I've always been fascinated with how our bodies work from when I was little. Um, and so it's really been a journey throughout my life to just keep learning about, you know, I, I did many years of medical research helping to develop new um, immune therapies in cancer. And then I wanted to go more into what we can actually do for ourselves versus what medications we're going to need. And so went back to train as a holistic nutritionist to kind of add into my biochemistry background. And I do herbal training for me. I'm just always learning about something new. That's amazing. I mean, we need people like you to, you know, help us deal with problems like sleep. And, you know, personally, I love sleep. I think sleep is one of the most important things, but most underrated things in our lives. So let's maybe get into the basics about sleep. Sure. Um, you know, I, I agree. I think it's a, a really critical part of our life that, uh, that a lot of us really don't pay enough attention to and making sure we're getting enough sleep. And it's interesting because a lot of how well we sleep at night is so dependent on things we do throughout the day, not just mm. our sleep routine an hour before we go to bed. Um, and so really it's tied into what they call our, our circadian rhythm or our body clock. So we have this rhythm of our hormones and our energy and our appetite and and really everything. Our our body temperature changes even according to our our body clock. And so how our sleep is going is just really, really related to the rhythm of our life in so many ways. So onto some of the basics around sleep, I think everybody's heard of, you know, REM sleep and all of these things. Can you maybe explain to us the whole concept about the sleep cycle and, you know, when people tend to dream or what happens actually to our bodies when we sleep. Sure. So we have, we go through these different stages of sleep and there's three of them. Some, it used to be classified as four, but pretty much now they've, they've combined three and four together. So stage one is that really you're just starting to fall asleep. So you're only really half asleep at that point in stage one. Stage two, you start to go into more of a deeper sleep. So that's, you know, your heart rate's slowing down in that stage of sleep. Things are starting to slow down. 
Stage three mm. is again, non-rapid eye movement sleep, non-REM sleep. That's your deep sleep. And that's, if you think about if someone wakes you up in that stage, you can't hardly wake up. You can walk around for half an hour afterwards feeling like you're just an absolute zombie. And that's because mm-hmm. you got woken up from that deep sleep. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's stage three. And some places will split that into three and four. But like I said, mostly that's been clumped together now. And then the last stage is your REM sleep or rapid eye movement. And that's interesting because you're basically paralyzed in that stage. Mm-hmm. The only real things that are really active at that point is your breathing still doing well and your eye movement. And that's really linked to, uh, that's when you're doing most of your dreaming, especially your crazy dreams. So you can do a little bit of dreaming in other stages, but it's going to be pretty normal. And that's that part of our sleep, our REM sleep is really, really important for um, our brain function, for our cognitive health. So that's when our brain is doing a lot of laying down memories and things like that. So we cycle through those, that cycle of kind of bouncing around a little bit, but going through all of those takes about 80 to 120 minutes. And we cycle Mm -hmm. through that four to six times during the night, depending on how long we're asleep and how much time we spend in each of those stages varies throughout the night. So you mentioned that, you know, in that deep sleep, when someone wakes you up, you are a walking zombie. And I'm sure a lot of people listening would have experienced that even by their (laughs) own alarm clocks. So if, you know, it's not an exact number in terms of, how long these cycles are and how long we spend in each of these stages. Mm -hmm. What is the best way actually to make sure we're waking up at the right times? Well, one way is, and and that relates to something around how much time we need during the night. So we really Mm -hmm. ideally need between seven to nine hours of sleep a night. Uh, People who are saying they're fine with five are probably not getting all of that, uh, healing and stuff that needs to happen during our sleep. Uh, so for mm. example, in our deep sleep is when a lot of, of the activation of our immune system happens. And so if you're sleeping a lot less, your immune system isn't going to be as strong. So mm-hmm. really there's more and more research showing ideally for cardiovascular health, immune health, lots of things that we need seven to nine, but we vary. Some people are great at some seven. Some people really need that nine. And one of the best ways to do that is to get up at exactly the same time every morning for a while. And so Mm -hmm. if you know that you need to get up every morning at seven during the week, still get up at seven on the weekend. So it'd be super, super consistent. And Mm -hmm. then, then the trick is, is in the evening to really pay attention to when your body wants to go to bed. Mm -hmm. Because your body will tell you when you start to really get that consistent circadian rhythm, your body will tell you when you need to go to bed. And then if we realize, okay, I am just like, I can't keep my eyes open at 10 o'clock, even though I'm getting up at seven, you probably are one somebody that needs that nine hours. And if we're really giving our body the, I'm going to go to bed at the same time at night, you really should be waking up with, without even an alarm. That would be the dream, I think, for a lot of people. I mean, Personally, I've actually switched to something else than a normal phone alarm because um, I mean, I consider my sleep quality to be quite good, actually. I don't have problems falling asleep and I, when I wake up, I feel fresh. It's just that 
it's just quite a jarring noise your phone alarm oh yeah 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 it just it shocks you awake basically and I've actually switched to this kind of clock which um slowly gets brighter and brighter so I think it it's meant to stimulate a sunrise Mm -hmm. um so it wakes me up like that instead so when let's say I have to get up at eight it would start doing that half an hour before so over a half hour period of time it just slowly gets brighter um it's pretty good to be honest (laughs) it's less shocking I've wondered for a while about trying one of those and, and you're encouraging me again to give that a, a try, especially uh, where I live. It's, you know, it's not getting late now until hours after I have to get up in the morning. So that really ties in not only to not shocking yourself out of deep sleep, but it also really ties in with setting that circadian rhythm because the number one message around setting that rhythm is actually light and dark. Mm-hmm. And so by getting that light exposure in the morning with your with your uh, clock, that's actually going to really help set your circadian rhythm as well. So that would be a wonderful way to do it. Yeah. And in case people were wondering, this is why when you are, I mean, going on the plane seems like a faraway memory right now, but <laughs> this is why on long haul flights, like in America, maybe you've got red eye flights or things that go overnight over time zones. This is why they change the cabin lighting at seemingly very strange times. But it's actually so that it, I guess it tries to minimize the jet lag effects as much as possible mm-hmm, during yeah. flights. Talking about sleep, you know, if we talk about the shorter naps. Now, I've never been convinced by naps because I do not nap well. I think I fall into deep sleep very quickly. So mm-hmm. even if I take a one hour nap and I have to get up, I just wake up confused about where I am, feeling terrible, and I'm just in a brain fog and super grumpy. So I'm convinced that naps don't suit me. But I've always heard of, you know, extremely short power naps being a thing, or maybe the 20 minute nap is the optimal. So what is the kind of real fact about naps? So the thought is, is that you need to do one of two things. Either you need to have that short nap, like you mentioned, the 20 minutes, because Mm -hmm. then you're going to be in stage one, stage two, and you will get a rest. And that can actually really help recharge a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Or the other option is to actually nap for an hour and a half. And that's going to depend on your sleep cycles, whether or not that's 80 minutes or a hundred minutes, but somewhere around an hour and a half will get you through a full cycle and you'll come back out of REM. And in between cycles, we hit that stage one again, where we're only half asleep. And Mm. that can be like during the night, that could be one minute, five minutes until you kind of start going back into the deeper sleep again. So if you nap for an hour and a half and come back into that, some people actually are even aware of waking up between their sleep cycles. That's Mm -hmm. the perfect time to get up and you're going to have one sleep cycle and you're actually going to be in really good shape. That hour is really bad because that's when you're in that super deep sleep and it's really, really, really hard to get up. And so that's the kind of nap you don't want to have. I feel like that happens to me every nap I take. I just, I just don't do well with naps. I'm extremely grouchy when I wake (laughs) up. And that's fair. And I think it's worth listening to our body that way. Right. Um, (laughs) 
One thing I will add to that as well is that for people that have actual insomnia, so how well we're sleeping can be fantastic. It can be, you know, we're going through a period of not sleeping great, mm-hmm. but insomnia is when you're actually diagnosed as having, um, this has consistently been going on for a long time. So if you're have actual diagnosed insomnia, or if you're having, I would say, even if you haven't gotten diagnosed, but you're having a really, really bad stretch of sleep, mm-hmm. part of resetting that is resetting that circadian rhythm, and naps actually interfere with that. So for somebody who's having huge sleep trouble, it seems almost counterintuitive, but naps are a bad idea because mm. you're so tired. You think napping would be great because you just can't get through the day because you're so overtired. But then the more you keep napping in the afternoon, the more you're getting rid of that sleep drive to fall asleep at night. And so it ends up perpetuating your insomnia trouble. And so the faster way to reset your sleep cycle is actually force yourself to not nap during the day. So it'll push your body to sleep better at night. That makes sense, actually. Um, It's kind of like... To me, it's like when people, you know, linking to nutrition a little bit, it's when people try to restrict themselves too much and then you feel that, or, or people who work out a lot, you know, who suddenly start working out and they think, oh, that's what I need to eat more. And then you end up putting on weight mm-hmm. um, and it's just the wrong combination of actions, basically. Yeah. And you, you, you touched on insomnia and let's go into kind of talking more about insomnia um, in the next section but first before even getting to the point of insomnia I think a lot of people just um are chronically sleep deprived um or have very poor sleep quality and so I mean the reasons are pretty straightforward I think for most people it could be you know blue light during the day especially now that our tech you know our lives are filled with technology constantly Mm-hmm. It could be anxiety or stress from the day. It could be your sleeping setup is not right. And maybe we can go into that later. Um, but what actually happens to us when we are chronically sleep deprived? Because even if I slept badly one evening, I actually, the following day, I noticed that I'm just more absent minded. I might, you know, stub my toe more easily on things. Yeah. I'm just a lot more careless. And it's it's like I'm only 70% there. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing uh, how much just even one bad night could affect you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking at one study and it was, I think people had had a couple, two or three bad nights. It wasn't just one bad night, but, um, and they were comparing them to people who uh, were drunk. And the people that were overtired performed just as badly in tasks as people who were drunk. Like that's, that's how much, no, exactly. And yet, you know, how much do we talk about not driving when we're drunk yet? How many people are driving around in that mm. crazy overtired place? And our reaction time is shown to be slower. Our, you know, ability, like you said, just, uh, so much of our coordination, our ability to uh, think things through, all of that is affected. It affects our appetite as well, um, which if, if you think about it, makes some sense because if you haven't slept well the night before, your body's going to crave things like carbs to just help give you some energy to get through the day. So there's changes mm-hmm. in, our, in our hunger hormones, ghrelin and leptin, change even after one bad night. Uh, one fascinating study 
looked at people who hadn't slept well the night before versus people who had. And then they showed them pictures of different foods and they were looking at a, a scan of their brains and parts of the, the brain that lit up. And then the people mm. who hadn't slept, when they showed them pictures of junk food, their brains lit up way more than the people who had slept. Wow. That's so incredible. Oh, unbelievable. And so, and that's just from a bad night's sleep, right? Because your body is just seeking comfort and our brains are wired. So it's really hard to get around that when that's, you know, your brain's been hijacked. I think this might also be why when people are hungover, they just want junk food. Maybe it's all about, you know, seeking comfort as well. Yeah. And I remember actually, I think I watched this documentary a while ago. Um, Dr. Michael Mosley, who's more famous for his um, fasting book, um, he actually had a series on the BBC about, um, I think it's called Trust Me, I'm a Doctor, and he goes through a lot of different topics, but one of them was sleep. And mm -hmm. they actually found that when the volunteers had reduced sleep, genes associated with inflammation, immune response, and response to stress became more active. Yeah. And also there was increases. This is even more incredible, right? They had increases in activity of genes related with diabetes and risk of cancer. But then when the volunteers added on just an hour of sleep, the opposite happened. Yeah. So oh, that, yeah. Just, that just goes to show, you know, it really adds up if, if you think you can get away with, you know, not having a few nights sleep, it, it does add up. Mm -hmm. Actually, I would like to, you mentioned the immune system and I want to throw in a study here right now because mm -hmm. I think it's super, super relevant right now. They did a study looking at people who slept well the night before versus people who had poor night's sleep and then mm -hmm. were given a vaccine. And the people who had slept well had a much better immune response to the vaccine than the people who didn't sleep well. So I think it's so relevant right now because the vaccine is coming out for COVID and people are going up and getting immunized for it. And so I would really, really, really recommend that if you're going to get the vaccine, really make sure you get a good night's sleep the night before, because it's going to make a difference in how well your immune system can actually handle that vaccine. Yeah, because I think because we're not actively doing anything when we're sleeping, quite often is very undervalued. And I've heard people say, oh, I wish we could just plug in, you know, and recharge instead of spending eight hours on sleeping. But I think, you know, all of these studies and, you know, a lot more that we haven't shared here really, really shows that sleeping is the one time in the whole day where your body fixes itself, you know, grows muscles, repairs things. And it, it's really something that we can't miss out on. Yeah, absolutely. It is so critical to our health. And so now maybe we can finally jump into the realms of insomnia, because as someone who doesn't suffer from it, I have to admit, I know very little about it and I never really looked into it. But I know that it is a problem that affects a lot of people. And maybe we can start with, you know, what qualifies or what gives you the diagnosis of insomnia? So insomnia is referring to the inability to fall asleep or remain asleep, but also refers to uh, how often you're waking up, your sleep quality. So there's a lot of reasons why you might not be getting enough sleep. And there's actually mm. different definitions out there around how long that's 
had to go on for, you know, depending on what kind of testing method they're using around your sleep and your sleep mm -hmm. hours and quality. Uh, so I wouldn't get too hung up on exactly what the definition is because different different places are going to use different criteria to actually classify. Okay. And one thing I think is really important to remember is that this is, this is a, a range, right? So even if you're not diagnosed with insomnia, but this has been going on for a while, like you said before, before you hit that point of insomnia, recognizing how poor your sleep is and starting to deal with it can be important. Hey, did you know most people make New Year's resolutions and never see them through? January is now over and many of you may feel like you're losing steam. So I've created this 30-day feel-good challenge to help you get back on track with your well-being goals. It's completely free, you can start anytime, swap the suggested activities around to whatever suits you, there are no weird foods, tough workouts, and you don't need any special equipment to join. Sign up today to get access to your 30-day feel-good challenge calendar at www.notadiet.co.uk slash feelgood30-signup. The link is also in the show notes of this episode. Once again, it's free and super simple and you'll feel great. And that was the end of part one. Come back next week to listen to the rest of our conversation around how to get good sleep. And that's it for this episode of Neighborhood Nutritionist. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and I hope you've really enjoyed it and learned something you can take away with you today. If you could take a second to share this episode with one person you think will love it, that would be absolutely amazing. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening now. See you soon! Hello.